This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and thanks for being there for the Orange Podcast this week. We've got a grab bag of ideas flowing gently in your direction. Coming up in today's show, a major milestone in our recovery from the drought. We'll find out how some of our accommodation providers are going on the front foot to make contact with customers who might be heading this way from a COVID hotspot. And we'll learn about the themes behind the latest of our city's murals in McNamara Street. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. It's been fantastic to see so many people celebrating across Orange with the, to see the amount of rain that's fallen, 46 millimetres in, and the rain gauge at my place. One of the impacts of that has been a slow increase in our, the, our total capacity of our water storage dams. Uh, Sumer Park is growing, and the magic number of 80% has been reached. To find out some more about what happens now with water restrictions, our Technical Services Director, Ian Greenham. Ian, we're moving away from a system of water restrictions to a different set of words, a different mindset, if you like. Tell me about what we're moving to now. Yeah, good morning. Thanks very much, Alan. Um, what what we've got now is, is the permanent water saving standards that we're going into. Um, we will go into those when we reach 80% um, total storage volumes. The permanent water saving standards is sort of going away from a big stick approach. The community of Orange has had water restrictions in place. That's led to some big picture cultural changes. Our level of water use is, is low for anyone in our climate all around Australia. Is it important we don't lose that mindset if we, if we, once our dams are full? Oh, exactly, Alan. Um, so things like the odds and even system for watering um, will stay in place so that it's every, on odd days of the the month, um, those house numbers with an odd number in their in their house number can water, and on even days of the month, the even houses can can water their gardens, um, uh, both morning and evening. Um, and I think there's a three hour window in both of those. The details are on our website, but it's um, um, it keeping those that mindset travelling through is what will really sustain um, Orange's water supply for longer. Um, and together with the projects we're putting in, we'll increase the water security for the whole town. So water security isn't just about supply and, um, and production of water. It's, it's also about demand for water. And so if we go back to the early 1990s, say 30 years ago, um, our population was, was in the low 30,000s. Um, and now coming into 2021, we're, we're over 40,000 population. And our water use today is less than what it was in those early 1990s. That's amazing. Um, it, it is amazing, Alan. And it's, it's all to do around sensible water use. So um, the odds and even systems for watering gardens um, and just practical, practical measures where we can save water. So um, it does help and it makes a real difference. That's a pretty big cultural change. Um, Going back, again, 30 or 40 years, we lived in a dry continent. We sort of got over that anxiety by splashing water around and watering our concrete driveways. What you're suggesting suggests we, we really, as a community already, and now we want to continue it, but we're moving to a, a more sustainable, a more common sense, a, a sensible use of water. Um, do you think the, the broader community is, is catching on to that or is it still something we're learning about? No, I think they're catching on, and I think it was still there back 30 years ago, like um, back 40 years ago when I was growing up, 
we um, shared the same bathwater because we were on tanks. And um, so it went from youngest to oldest um, on who had their bath first to, to last. And, and we made our water stretch out as far as we could. Now, some of those practical things about watering every second day, we were doing on anyone that was work, was relying on tank water. They were doing those back in the 1950s, 1960s. Um, and so it's more of a, I suppose, a, um, a levelling out of that playing field where the people in the cities or the, or the regional centres are actually learning from what our what our farmers used to do and, and anyone that used to rely on tank water used to do. And it's just about practical water use. Do you think Orange could have a role? We've, we've set the, the tone in terms of you know exploring stormwater harvesting. It's still the only place in Australia that does that. Have we got a, a role in terms of helping our city cousins to learn sustainable water use habits? Absolutely, Alan. Um, and our Wayne Beattie, he's, he's on the New South Wales Water Directorate. He chairs that directorate. Um, so he's... He's often um, zooming into our city city cousins um, in Sydney and um, being consulted on um, by the Department of Primary um, Industry Environment. Um, and so we, we do play a broader role than just our community. Um, we do tend to lead the state in, in certain aspects of water use, but um, a lot of our a lot of our regional uh, water utilities do exactly that. Um, and all of them, to some extent, have demand management programs. OK, so now we're on 80%. Uh, the Bureau is forecasting a, a wet winter ahead. We might get to 100% sometime in the, in, the, in the distant future, fairly soon, maybe in winter. You're saying that with our new water saving standards, we're going to have water flowing over the, over the, the dam wall at, at Suma Park? but we're still going to limit how much water we can use and we, we're going to be sensible about that. I'd like to pick up on that last word you said, which was sensible, Alan. And um, it's all about sensible water use. Um, it's, yes, just because we have, we're in a situation of, of good supply at the moment doesn't necessarily mean we, can't be, we shouldn't be sensible about water, which is in such scarce supply in regional Australia when you look at it over a decade, for example. Um, yes, this month and this this coming year, we will have very good water levels within our within our storage systems. But we'd like to continue that into the following year as well. And every little bit of action that people do now will help that situation in the years ahead. And adopting that that long term cultural change is part of that. You're also head of the the team of council staff who manage water on a day to day basis. How would you describe the, the emotional tone this week as we moved from, you know, 18 months ago where we were with water and now 80%, looking realistically at 100%, is there a, a sense of relief amongst those people? Oh, there's a huge sense of relief. And, and there's a sense of relief when, um, when, our, when our operating conditions are changed for, for times of, of, very, um, of, of water shortages. Um, when, we get, we, when we get an announcement from the state government of an, another program that we can implement for, um, for additional water into our scheme that helps, helps with our security. And yes, every day it rains, you can see the weight lifting off the team and um, to be up around 80% 80, 80 plus. But you'll see the difference in, in the staff um, um, in, this, in this weeks ahead and even right now with the, with the rain that has fallen over the last 24 hours. 
Um, it's been a significant boost to morale and um, we've got a very good team, very good tight team there that do an excellent job and I'm very proud of them um, and how they've come through this drought and um, worked through the, the challenges that we've faced in the last 18 months. Ian Greenham, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much, Alan. Pleasure. One of the aims of our Future City upgrade of the Orange CBD is to get people walking down streets and lanes where they haven't been for years. One of those is McNamara Street. If you haven't been there lately, you've missed out on a whole batch of new street murals. The latest was finished this week by local Indigenous artist Sandon Gibbs O'Neill. So we're here, down here working on the, the mural community and the, the main aspects of the, of the mural is based around the the Radjuri people, the people of Three Rivers, which are the Womble, um, the Macquarie, and the Kalari, which is the Lachlan, and the Murrumbidgee, which are the rivers. So you've got the rivers represented there with your blue circles, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. so the blue circles represents um, communities past, present and future, so it shows that we should always be respectful of each other and showing that we should be sharing knowledge uh, from the past through to the present and, and onto, the, onto the future. So that journey between as I said before, the past um, and the, the present and into the future generations and the communities that are, that are following from here. So that's just paying respect to those guys and, yeah. So you've talked to us about the inspiration for your work. What made you choose that particular idea for this particular wall? Um, the, probably the main reason why is um, I've spent most of my life here in Orange and um, I've had a lot of family members move from out west to here to Orange. So kind of basically um, Orange is, to me is basically you know, everyone's come from everywhere to move down here so um, it's based around community and we come from all different communities backgrounds our Aboriginal backgrounds and we're residing here on a Radri land so um, that was probably one of the main folks I just really wanted to showcase the the land of the three rivers in it and also just pay respects to all the different Aboriginal nations that are residing here on on a Radri land so talk to me a little bit about what it means to you to have been chosen to represent your community and your message on this particular wall um, yeah, it's pretty big. Public art is, is um, something that I'm not really, haven't really dived into. I've done a couple of murals here and there, but something of this um, size, I guess, in, in a public space. I've done a lot of work in um, schools and stuff, but that's only seen by the school community. But to do something in, in um, here in Orange is something yeah, I'm really very proud of. Like I said, I call Orange home. Um, you know, my family were born here, well, my, my kids were born here, so, and I was born here, so it's good to have my art, especially Aboriginal art, showcased here in Orange. It's Growing up, I didn't see much of Aboriginal art show, showcased here in Orange, so it's great to be um, one of the first artists to have um, something of this magnitude in, in Orange, and hopefully it's more to come, whether it's my work or it's another Aboriginal artist. I think um, it's great to have Aboriginal art showcased for people to ask questions, and yeah, not just to see Aboriginal art as a pretty picture, so, yeah. Has it changed at all, in your opinion, the amount of Aboriginal art you see in the Central West and in Orange, or is it still not something that people can see every day? Um, I think it is changing. There's artists popping up, um, you know, which is great. There's a lot of artists. When I started six years ago, there wasn't many popping up on social media, but there's, you know, I have a, a fair few pop up weekly now on social media, which is which is great. Um, and yeah, as long as as long as we're, they're showcasing it and getting it out in the community and allowing people to ask questions and just breaking down those stereotypes. And, and also, it's also great for um, kids to see another avenue of you know, expressing themselves and 
learning culture. So, yeah, it is great to see this is happening. I don't know other murals. I see some in Dubbo, Aboriginal murals. But, yeah, it's great to see oranges on the front foot of that. And yeah. What is some of the feedback you've received so far from people walking past as you've been doing this mural for the last week and a half? Yeah, it's been great. Um, I don't mind the talk, so it's probably one of my... The challenges that I have, I kind of really got to pull up a conversation pretty quickly and I don't normally do that, I feel a bit rude so I tend to chat away and um, but the, the message has been great, a lot of thumbs up, um, a lot of smiles and yeah they've asked questions um, about it which is something that I don't mind talking about and expressing and yeah they leave the, they leave the conversation um, feeling good I guess and also they might end up going to learn a bit more about history and Aboriginal culture so they might tend to lead them in a direction where they're learning now so I think it's great in that sense so yeah. When are you expecting to finish this project? Today um, I will not be leaving until I am done today so um, I've got other work and I've kind of pushed it a bit too long now and I think that's the problem with working in your own community. Normally I'll go away down to Sydney I've got five days so so I've never seen four seasons um, in a mural here so it's kind of it's kind of surprising I've had snow to, to rain and then we've had sunshine and yeah it's pretty crazy to see that it's happening in the course of the, the two weeks that I've been doing the mural it's yeah it's special to see yeah. And what's next for you? Um, are you doing any more public art or should people go and check you out on your website? Yeah um, next for me I'll probably pull a pin on public art now for the rest of the year. Um, I've got a lot of commissions that I've got to get back to and um, work out um, and just follow through with my canvases so um, public art will be on the, the back burn until we kind of settle back down here in Orange and sort all that side out and then um, hopefully a, maybe a, a little exhibition at the end of the year which will be nice and then we'll start 2022 because um, the year's halfway gone now which is scary but yeah 2022 and hopefully you can put some more big projects on in place and yeah hopefully some more public art in the in the future but we'll wait and see how that happens so And Sandon Gibbs O'Neill was talking with Commerce team member Nicole Taylor. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. If you've been following the news, the inescapable news this week that Sydney's parts of Sydney have gone back into lockdown, and it all seems very familiar. To find out some more, Orange City Council CEO David Waddell. Dave, it does seem familiar, doesn't it? Here we go again. Oh, it does, Alan. I was just going through my file with all the old emails I used to send when the last time we got scared. Yes, look, not not ideal. I was at the Orange 360 board meeting this morning, and uh, they're reporting bookings accommodation bookings dropping to 40% of what they were. Mm. Um, they're doing a great job. They're, they've been ringing ahead their bookings so they can free up rooms and things. But, yep, here we go again. You mentioned that one again. So the, the Orange 360 members, wineries, accommodation venues, are actually getting in touch with people from who've made bookings to try and head, head a problem off. Well, yeah, knowing that if you're from Randwick or wherever that you're probably not coming, why not get the cancellation done early? Mm-hmm. And then they're redirecting to other centres like Canberra and trying to get bookings back but I think this was always going to happen at some stage it's just just this new one's scary this delta business there's always an upside it means people who live in orange might be able to get a table at a restaurant don't yeah that's exactly right absolutely and uh maybe I think probably all those cellar doors need at least a weekend off um bit of a breather but anyway but but council and the way it'll conduct business in the next little while again you're just following the the government regulations yeah we've got a mantra that says don't freestyle, just follow the public health order. So at the moment, the one that really affects us, if you've been to Sydney in the last two weeks, you've got to wear a mask. So we've, we're directing staff to do all that. We're tightening up 
obviously our front counters, library, visitor centre, just to make sure we've got posters, we've got hand wash and we've got masks and things, if required. But um, So if I get out of my caravan and I happen to have come through Sydney, drop in at the visitor centre, oh, yeah, that mask thing, here's a, they'll hand me a mask to wear. Um, yeah, well, that's the idea, isn't it? We're, we're hoping people actually understand that rule, that if you've been in Sydney for the last two weeks, you've got to wear a mask. We're having some staff who don't quite get it. So anyway, we've done all this before. We'll do it again. We'll get through. Just get your vaccine. Mm, that's the way. Yeah. I'll be getting AstraZeneca too, by the way, uh, July, mid-July. One of the first occasions when these sorts of arrangements will be tested next Monday, a special council meeting just to look at the future of the Bloomfield trees. COVID first. People can still come along, but numbers will be limited. That's right. Um, the room's set up for the COVID rules anyway, so... On Monday night, if you've registered to be a speaker and you're lucky enough to be one of the first five for and the first five against, you can come into the room. 30 other first come, first serve observers, audience, can come and watch as well. And then the rest are councillors and staff. If there is an overflow and people want to hang around... We're setting up Zoom and all that big screen in the theatre for you. So, yeah, Monday night there's only one item and that's the... Tree removal DA for the Bloomfield site. So that would start, if council approves it, that will start the process of that sports precinct. If they refuse it, that's another matter. Another big item of council news, the water supply totals have reached 80%. Don't they, they did. We, um, I was talking to the director on Monday and he said, uh, oh, we're sort of 76, there's more rain to come. Bang, this afternoon we hit 80%. That is fantastic. So you, you can actually believe that we will overtop Suma this winter. Yeah, I can actually start to believe that. Um, go to Lake Canobolis. It's beautiful. It's topping the damn wall. It's fantastic. Earlier in the program, we talked to Ian Greenham about the new permanent water saving standards. That's an attempt to try and get people to, uh, to, to make use of this water saving techniques that we've all learned for the last couple of years, um, to make them a permanent mindset rather than just a, a thing we'll tack on. Yeah, I think it was a, a pretty strong message to send, is that Orange will never not have restrictions. We'll always have some form of prudent water saving and I think it's a great idea. And that's sellable to someone who wants to come and to live here and do business here to have, is a restriction a sellable thing or, is, or will we try and sell a, a new mindset that we want to be sensible we have common sense ways of managing our water? I think it's just a, a, a new mindset for people coming here. They care about their environment, they care about their water, they're a you know intelligent city. And thanks for joining us for the show this week. Remember, you can download this show from the Orange City Council website whenever you like or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. That makes it easiest for someone else to find out about this show. Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now. <laughs>